do this, Craig. You ready? Ready when you are. Password sharing. Hitting music. We're rolling. The links a man will go to for Taco Bell. There's no, there's no limitation to your, your Taco Bell obsession, is there? Although, I, I'll be honest, I think Taco Bell's really off their game. They got rid of the double XL grilled stuff burrito, and it's gone downhill since then. I, all I care about is Crunchwrap Supreme. Are we live, Creighton? Yes, we hey, are. Hey, we're live. Hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, check us out one Sunday morning. Uh, service is live. 10.30 a.m. If you're not local but want to check us out online, go to calvary316.com or you can go to calvary316.live, which is a quick link to our YouTube channel. Uh, come join us. I am joined, as always, by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro of this dysfunction, the Christmas Scrooge McDuck, also known as Pope Creighton Vaughn. How are you, bud? I'm doing well. I would just like to say, let's get through Thanksgiving before we start mentioning the fact that I'm a Scrooge. Because even the fact that you're referencing the fact that I hate Christmas this early in the year is upsetting to me. Because you hate baby Jesus. Right? I don't it's, hate baby Jesus. Baby your, Jesus was born in July. You're not a big fan of I baby hate Jesus. Christmas. I do see that it's you're... It's not even Halloween yet. I do we're see... We're doing it a bit early. Well, we're pulling out the Hobby Lobby mo- motto. Like, we're full-blown Christmas. You go to Home Depot, it's Christmas. That's horrible. It is horrible. You I agree what? with you. You it's would terrible. hate the Philippines because they start celebrating Christmas as soon as you start seeing. Hey, ER let me introduce you to Spice Daddy, who's also on the show. Jumped in right from the beginning. You're you are like cross branding. It's fantastic. I, mean, I, I, I love know, what's I, happening. I, I brought here. it out. You know, I was having a good day. You know, I, starting off talking about I love Christmas. I love Taco Bell. Um, one of those things exact is good. opposites of Creighton. Uh, I like Taco but Bell. But you got you got the the one of a kind, archaeology kind of- branded Outlaw Radio hoodie. With <laughs> now now you're just covered up the other logo. You, well, that, I know, but yeah. you know I want to show ha- everybody how like I almost look like Eminem. Like this, you are a fat Eminem. I am. <laughs> that is Eminem what you are. After one too many Taco Bells. What? <laughs> Uh, how many Taco Bells were on the eight mile, right? Yeah, that's right. No one knows. That's the question. You wouldn't have had all those problems. Eight mile would be a up and coming place. Uh, and it wouldn't be so dilapidated if they had Taco Bells. Cause you can get, you can spend like $5 there and get that is such an interesting theory that no one was really wanting to have, but you got your three sixteen hat also limited edition. We're also joined in studio since this is kind of the direction things went by our resident missionary who's in town. Mr. Kenneth Snipes, how are you, my friend? What's up? What's up? All good. So, uh, as a Braves fan, how are you feeling? Oh man, you had to bring that up. Not feeling great about it. Was, that. It was terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been telling people since spring training, this is the best Braves team of my life. And, and we saw that happen. And yeah, we saw that. Well, we saw lots happen this season. We, we so we, for the rest of us, what's going on with the Braves? Oh well, I mean, we we have the best best team in baseball. 104 wins. We set all these these records. The best offense ever, statistically. In the history of MLB. In the history of Major League Baseball. And then they choked. And then we choked. Not just choked. We laid down. We got punked yep. by Philadelphia. I could I could have swallowed anything. But Philadelphia, to, it was so bad that we're up there getting our tail kicked. And they're tomahawk chopping. Oh, the that's Philly fans rough. in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, I believe you had something to do with that. Teaching them that I did teach them that. No, that's true. <laughs> I was in Philadelphia in May, and I tricked two thousand uh, pastors into the tomahawk chop. It's my fault. That's what I get. 
thanks for bringing that up. You know, I'm going back to Philadelphia. I'm going back to Philadelphia in uh, in December. I can't do that joke again. No, no, I can't. So are we out of the playoffs or whatever? Oh yeah, we're we're toast. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, welcome to the. We're counting down to spring training. We're yeah, yeah, the whole season, and then and then that four games of baseball, just ridiculous. Anyway, I, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Um, how are things in Honduras? Very quickly. Yeah, things in Honduras are doing great. Family's great. Work, plenty of work to do. Staying busy. Kids well. Kids are doing well. Yeah. Um, if if anybody's interested in learning more about your ministry. If they want to get on maybe your email list, if they want to donate money, uh, any, like how, how, I mean, right now, just to the audience, how can people learn more about what you're doing? How can they support it? Um, you get, you got like 30 second plug here, man. Reach out to outlaw radio show and they have all the information. Oh my goodness. Solid. <laughs> Creighton. No, no, you got to say the right. Creighton at gmail.com. Creighton at gmail.com. There you go. There you go. <laughs> our, we, we use our Facebook, Instagram bridges across the mission field. We're pretty easy to find. Nobody else has named that. So. So if you do need the if you do need the contact information, if we, we'll put you in, in touch, reach out. Again, the official email address of the Outlaw Radio Show and Calvary three sixteen is <laughs> PokeCrayton at gmail.com. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It is pretty ridiculous. And when they put you in touch with me, I would love to tell anybody what we're doing in Honduras. It's my favorite thing to talk about. No, that for sure. And you guys are doing a great thing. If you can just um, very quickly summarize in a nutshell, just what you guys do, what your mission is. We're missionaries to missionaries. We went to Honduras uh, in February of 2020 with the goal of kingdom-mindedness and and helping out other missionaries that are already on the field. I couldn't be so prideful to think that I had a great idea that was better than what they were doing. So why not go down there and assist them with their with the work they're doing to spread Jesus? And that that ends up like practic like as a practical example of this, um, just in, in conversation. Um, like how many Bible studies are provided for missionaries? Yeah. Few. So my wife is uh, my wife is reaching out to the other missionary moms and, uh, and missionary ladies in our region and, and even across Honduras, um, having the kids over for things. You know, something simple like having the kids over for a play group so they can have community. Um, I've become a missionary mechanic. Uh, I've got I've got people from all over the country bringing their cars to me to, to repair their cars. And so uh, missionary mechanicing was never my uh, you know never the idea. It was never on the forecast, but that's what I'm doing. So anything we can do to help out. Uh, spread the gospel through other missionaries. Let me let me ask you a very quick question. And, and Creighton's got if you if you're new to the show, this is an unscripted Bible study. Just some guys getting together talking about the Lord and Jesus, and and you guys get to participate. Again, you're watching the recording of a podcast that will be released tomorrow on Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, but we live stream it and have fun. If you're watching, you can interact on the live stream uh, that's available on OutlawRadio.live, which is our YouTube channel, as well as Facebook.com/slash The Radio Outlaw. Uh, Creighton, you're kind of monitoring that. At any point, Creighton can jump in and provide some uh, of, of the, the listeners' comments, feedbacks. We'd love your suggestions, whatnot. Um, you know, a big issue right now in America, and, and this is something I think every time you're on the show, there's a little bit of a conversation that kind of yeah, develops yeah. about this. But, you know, in America, like the big story, there's a lot of big stories. But, like, what's happening on our southern border, mm-hmm. um, like, they're, they're, like, whether you want to call it an invasion, which, which applies some motivation, I think that's my... There's a mass migration that's undeniable yeah, absolutely. Um, from countries all over the world, but, but right. also a significant number of Central Americans, South Americans, um, and, and what have you. Um, this is one of the things I love about your ministry, because it's one thing for a church to like complain about illegal immigration yeah. or, or have some debate about how the church should interact, how we should minister to these people. 
Um, and again, this all breaks down when like things exhorted to Israel about the immigrant don't apply to us. It's funny. Liberal Christians are like, we're not a Christian nation until you want to talk about immigration. Like we should be a Christian nation. Yeah. Yeah. But my point is like, I love your ministry because it's like, it's a way for Christians to be like, you know what? There are people that, that feel in such a desperate place that they, that they really do risk so much. They spend so much money to get to America. And I love the fact that we're sending an American there be like, Hey, this can be your country and we can equip you. And and we want to minister to you. That is the great commission. The great commission was never, Hey, come here and let us minister to you. It's let's send people into the world to go do ministry. But with the immigration time, I mean, do you are you seeing this in your own community? Yeah, so we have, you know, I know people, uh, you know, that I'm close to, and people, you know, people all over the country that I know that are that are making their way to, to the United States because they're hopeless, helpless. They feel like that's all they can do, and so like one of the things that we've done is chosen to partner with ministries that are promoting the mindset of of people staying in Honduras to to better their country. Um, you think about the United States back when it went in its formation, you know, there was raw sewage in the streets and disease was rampant and people were dying and all this stuff and all the, you know, the people on the, you know, the colonial United States didn't leave and go find a better place where they could, you know, where they could make a little more money or there wasn't so much sewage in the streets. The people made it happen and made the United States into what it is now for better or worse. And so one of the things we've done is pro- uh, worked with ministries and we try to work with ministries that promote, um, teaching Honduran sustainability and, and using that as a tool to spread the gospel. But, but teaching these people, you live in it for now, you still live in a capitalist nation. And if, if you can be a plumber, be the best plumber you can be. And if you're, if you're a step above all the other plumbers in town, you can make it and you can be successful. It's not as easy as it is here. I'll, I'll be, as an American, I'll be the first to say that. Right. There, there is a way. And so, and and that's one of the things I think you guys have a heart for mentorship and, and teaching trades in the name of Jesus and whatnot. So again, uh, learn more about Kenny and Nikki's ministry. They're doing some great things. Um, I want to, uh, well, I guess first I should get this out of the way. Uh, just so everyone knows that, um, uh, today's episode of the outlaw radio show is brought to you uh, by the second best book ever written. Oh my good golly. Chapter by chapter, uh, a book written by Sandy Adams. It is the second best book ever written because Justin, what is the best book written? That would be an Amazon Christmas written by Jessica Adams and, uh, and Emily Norris, and Emily Norris. Um, it's available on, uh, Amazon or um, an Amazon Christmas.com right. is also available. Uh, just in time for <laughs> the holiday season, which just Creighton, in time it's October, which just in time. No, you should, this is the time to start getting your Christmas plans. Uh, put together. Sorry, I didn't it's understand October. you because you didn't have a bah humbug behind that sentence. That's right. That's true. I'm going to so get a Creighton, bah humbug uh, tattoo. It's, it's yeah, yeah, a bah <laughs> humbug tattoo. Actually, if, if you want to get a Scrooge McDuck tattoo, Outlaw Radio will pay for it. Oh, ooh, I got the perfect. If you would little, get a Scrooge oh, McDuck tattoo. Look, you can get Scrooge McDuck tattooed on your upper uh, forearm here and then get the, the, the money the money pit sitting here. So when you do this, it looks like he's jumping into the money pit. Okay. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) that all came together. Hold on very quickly. I like this this idea. Let me see how my weekend goes and I will let you know because my weekend goes really good. I'm absolutely down. We will revisit this next Wednesday. You got a date for sure. Not really. Wait, what? There was a, not really. Is there a date? Do you have a date? date. Do you have a date? Can we move on? Okay. Let's not adjudicate this online. Well, I mean, that's where we are. 
You brought it up. Did you bring? I didn't bring I it didn't up. Bring it up. You didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. No, no, no. It was a mistake. As soon as we, I said we do it. have yeah, some audience right. members, they didn't bring it up. John's over here laughing. I've made a huge. We have a John mistake. and a Jonathan. All right. So, are we getting? Can my you question? be on camera just so people see you? I don't want to be on camera right now. You just put yourself on camera. I know camera. that. And you're you're turning anyway. about as red as your marinara sauce from your ancestors. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, real quick. Um, so oh, this has gone off the rails. So my wife got my wife got an email today that I thought was pretty cool, and and this is going to segue to a little bit of a of a topic before we get to your topic. You never have a little bit of a topic. <laughs> well, <clears throat> okay. Uh, so Jessica got this email today from somebody that we all love. It's part of our church. I'm going to leave her name out of it. She says, "Good morning at my new job." With I'll leave that out. Uh, I get daily devotions. Uh, which I love to start my day with them. Whenever I hear, quote, but God, I remember your pledge of but God when Zach was in the coma and everyone was so bleak, but your faith was steadfast. So when I hear those words, I feel this warmth inside and instantly think of you. I love you, my sweet sister in Christ. Wanted to share this with you today. With all the terrible things happening in the Middle East, it's nice to have something good to share. P.S. Tell Zach I hope to hear more about his take on Israel tonight on Outlaw Radio. What he said last week has stuck with me. Uh, first, I thought, man, that's that was such a cool moment for Jessica because again, with my situation, my story, Jessica's the story of faith. I slept through it all. She's the one that got terrible news and I had to check that with her faith. But God, that was the mantra. Uh, she kept saying, "But God," but I believe that God has a plan. He has a purpose, and and to be acknowledged by a dear sweet sister is 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 a cool thing. Again, whatever you're going through, always can check it with those two words. But there is a God. God is in control, and He's promised to work all things for the good for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purposes. So never lose faith. Check whatever it is with there is a God who loves you, uh, and is very much there to help you and support you and guide you and work through you and help you navigate the situation that you face. My wife has a great testimony. I, I hope and pray that one day she'll share it. Uh, who knows? I, I feel like maybe a second book uh, <laughs> may, might happen. My husband got COVID? Yeah. A kid's book. The yeah. Coma Wife Memoirs. A COVID wife <laughs> memoirs. <laughs> Sequel to The Notebook. Um, so I, what was brought up, though, in the text message, and again, it's hard to... It's hard to talk about much with what's going on right now, just with what's happening in Israel. And again, I'm not going to get into the news per se, just just crazy stuff going on. Um, just the real danger of what what has kind of began as as a response to an incursion by Hamas into sovereign Israeli territory is 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 very quickly blowing into a, a regional conflict. There's all kinds of news. And again, it's so hard to know exactly to separate fact from fiction, what is true, what is false. So many narratives, so many spins. Um, but you know, we have embassies in Lebanon and Jordan, um, in Iraq. I mean, there, there's, 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 we're sitting on a powder keg. I don't know if it blows. I don't know what happens. We've got some of our own politicians that are doing more than just saber rattling. Uh, they're threatening, Iran, which is a nation of 90 million people that has the full backing and support of Russia. Um, we're already in a pseudo uh, war with, you know, interesting how Ukraine's kind of disappeared from the news. Shocker, right? <laughs> Ukraine is, no one's talking about Ukraine. That's still going on. 
Like we have these proxy conflicts with a, a, a superpower, Russia, that's nuclear armed. And we're not even talking about what's going on with China. And the world feels, I don't know if you guys sense this, like there's some things going on. What happens, I mean, again, I, I'm not making a prophecy because I don't want to get stoned as being a false prophet. And I think pastors, churches, Calvary Chapel has a, has a legacy of doing the wrong thing by trying to take current global events and taking the scripture and trying to make sense of it all in the moment. And I think sometimes you can look really foolish, a.k.a. Jesus is coming back in 88. 88 reasons for the rapture in 88. And, oh, well, we miscalculated that. Now we get to, you know, Y2K. And, like, again, predictions, predictions. I'm not in the prophecy business. I don't know how any of this plays out. And I'm not even trying to take scripture to make sense of what's happening on the ground. Now, will I say, could what's going on right now be a, a, a foundation for the fulfillment of a yet fulfilled biblical prophecy? Ezekiel 38 and 39? Absolutely. If you're unaware of Ezekiel 38 and 39, there is this war that takes place uh, <clears throat> between Israel and Gog and Magog, which scholars seem to be universally, uh, the, the universal acceptance, this belief that Gog and Magog is a reference to Moscow, Magog, and the Russian people. And that there's this federation uh, led by Russia of a coalition of nations. And when you examine this passage, you start reading through the etymology, the, the development of the, the references of the people groups, you end up with like most of the Arab nations, right? So like there's this conflict, which we've not seen in past, doesn't seem to be in the tribulational period, seems to be somewhere in between, still not yet fulfilled, of, of, of Russia with a coalition of Arab nations attacking Israel. To the point that, like, the odds are completely stacked against Israel. Like, insurmountable odds. Like, their their destruction certain, apart from, again, what happens, this divine intervention of God, where these armies get wiped out. And it is a divine intervention, to the point that there's no, there's no debating this. Uh, could we be seeing some of the early rumblings of, of, of something like this? Hey, if the United States starts pushing harder against Iran, and that forces Russia into a dynamic of involvement to back their ally, which is Iran. I mean, could you see some development of nations? Interesting, one of the nations not included uh, in the Ezekiel 38-39 prophecy is Egypt. And if you were to list, like, the historic enemies of Israel, Egypt kind of pops onto that list, right? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. And yet they're not included. And, and of the Arab nations, which Arab nation has a peace accord with Israel? Well, it's, it's, it's Egypt. And that goes back to losing conflict, losing the Sinai. Is, Egypt's the only one that within that framework might not be included. And, and they're not in the Ezekiel 38. So, little, so could we be seeing something happening? Maybe. Yes, Justin. Little fact about Egypt. Uh, they've recently done like DNA stuff trying to figure out because you can go to egypt you, you since they speak arabic you automatically think that they're arab dna actually shows that they're north african egyptian and, and not arabic um and and in the bible and even today they're known by their ancestor's name which is uh Mizraim, or uh i forgot the the son of son of one of the sons of noah um is known they're basically egypt is known shem as, yeah, it's either Shem, yeah. And or Japheth, Ham. One of his one of, sons okay. or grandsons was Mizraim or something like that. But the, the Egyptians were known in Hebrew as Mizraim. And, yeah, so they're, they're, 
they speak Arabic, but they're not actually Arabic. Well, they're we, we Arabic, would say that so, they're not so. a Semitic people. Right. They're, they're, they're not a descendant, the Egyptian, the ancient Egyptian, and then maybe even the current ones. They're not direct descendants from Abraham. Correct. Unlike most of the Palestinians, right. Iranians, Iraqis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it still goes to your point that... Yeah. Why they would be excluded. Why they're... Because for the longest time, since the very beginning, they've been Israel's enemy. And in the Bible, they're often a portrayal of of the world or sin and stuff like that. So it's a really interesting dynamic I, we're seeing here. Th- there is. So I, I again, to the question about what's going on in Israel, um, I, I do think that things get, get worse before they get better. But at the same time, I didn't, I wouldn't even want to make that prophecy because these things tend to boil, boil, boil. And then, and then they, they simmered back down for a little while. And ultimately there'll be, it's kind of like a, a volcano that there'll be an explosion at some point. Um, but they're, they're, these are birth pains. Is this the actual event? I, I don't know. Um, I do want to. I do want to address one idea, though, one component of the discussion from a Christian standpoint that I think is so significant and is not addressed enough, because you find like a very wide spectrum of Christian response to what's going on in Israel, um, from the humanitarian aspects to so so like. Okay, I want to address what's known as replacement theology because I think that that's an important component to how we look at things today. And let me explain what replacement theology is and how that's relevant to the conversation. So replacement theology is is a um, a historical um, interpretation of the Bible um, by notable scholars throughout church history, really. Um, It has a predominant place within eschatology. Um, And it's the idea that um, when the Jewish people executed Jesus and then the the gospel turned there, there entered a new dispensation where the gospel left the Jewish world and entered the Gentile world that the church prophetically replaced Israel so that all these prophecies that you read about in the old Testament, it's not as though those prophecies aimed at Israel are left unfulfilled and these are prophecies about the establishment of a kingdom, Jesus ruling and reigning for a thousand years. Like, there's a ton of prophecies. It's not that they just um, go away or somehow get set aside, but that the church replaced Israel and that those prophecies aimed at Israel now will find their fulfillment within the church. Now, again, why, why is this a predominant theology? Because in 70 AD, Israel ceased to exist. And so you end up with this difficulty if you're a literalist with Scripture, if you take the Bible seriously as the Word of God, you're reading through these prophetic mentions of Israel, and then you get to the book of Revelation, which seems future, and you have, you have promises aimed at Israel that are not yet fulfilled. You have a whole bunch of prophetic timeline that hasn't been fulfilled and is mentioning Israel, but there is no Israel anymore. Like, they're gone. 70 AD, Titus Visbesian, they, they sacked Jerusalem. The Jews, the diaspora, they get spread out, and they're gone. There's no Jewish homeland. There is no Israel. And so you're a student of Scripture. You're teaching Scripture. Like, you're really left with one of two options, to be fair. And that is, well, um, these, pro- these promises, Israel so screwed up 
that God was done with them. And then you have some problems with grace and all that that subsequently emerges. Or the other remedy is, well, these promises are intact. God's promises are sure. That's what the Bible says. God's word never returns void. That's a, that's a guarantee. So our workaround, because there is no Israel, but we see Israel in the future, is to say, well, the church, Israel did screw up. But God, there's a new dispensation. God turned his attention. like the, He remarried. And that the church replaces Israel in the prophetic timeline. And that was, again, admittedly, like a predominant, rational position of the church for millennia until what happened out of nowhere 1948 Israel becomes a nation again and you have you know the the, the end results the Balfour Declaration the the, the the some of the consequence of the Holocaust uh, what comes out of World War II the Jewish people are are given the right back to their homeland a historic homeland and again the Jewish people are able to maintain ethnicity and identity in communities throughout Europe over millennia. It's an amazing thing. The Jewish, the Hebrew language reemerges, though, though existing in a written form, becomes an official spoken language within Israel. Like you have Israel reemerge, which is an amazing, it's never happened in the history of the planet. Like it is a radical, radical thing. And then that's when you get, and again, you had you had like John Darby, you had you had other teachers at the end of the 1800s saying, like, hey, I think this replacement theology thing isn't taking the Bible literally. I think that there's something to this. Like you you have this reemergence of a pre-tribulation rapture. God has a different plan for the church. God still has a plan for Israel. Like you had these rumblings starting in the late 1800s from a church history standpoint. And then in 48, Israel comes back and then Bible scholars take a step like, well, wait a second. Is God done with Israel? Is this replacement concept like... Was that even an a? Was that just a lack of faith? And so you're you're left with a situation where there's an emergence, and I and I I come from this particular eschatological viewpoint. My church background is I believe absolutely that the prophecies aimed at God's not done with Israel. In fact, I take uh, the seventy weeks prophecy of Daniel chapter nine. Four hundred eighty three years are determined. 490 years is the completion. There's still seven years remaining in God's prophetic handling of the Jewish people, which is why I see a time frame, again, with the Daniel 70 weeks prophecy, of a seven-year handling, finishing, completion of God's handling with the Jewish people, which will then be the fulfillment of all this Old Testament stuff yet to be fulfilled, the establishment of the kingdom, the king coming, etc., etc. So I don't believe that the church replaces Israel. I believe that the church is a separate thing. And that, as Jesus said, the times of the Gentiles come to a completion, and then God turns his attention after the rapture of the church to a seven-year period in which he handles prophetically addressing Israel. Now, why, why, is, why am I bringing all this up? What, what, what makes this important for the relevance of the conversation? Well, there are evangelical leaders today. There are people within the church that hold to a replacement theology, which means they see nothing unique, nothing special about the, the Hebrew people at all. And so, like, why as a church should we have any backing towards them? Why should we have any elite? What makes them any different than anybody else? Because they kind of, like, messed it up. They're no longer important. So why should we care? Why should America... Okay, so you go back to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you. 
Well, that blessing has been shifted to the church. It has nothing to do with the nation of Israel. What does it matter? Because my ilk will say, I think nations that stand behind Israel, God will bless. And I think that over the last 70 years, we've seen some evidence of that. I think nations that go against Israel end up being cursed. I think we see evidence of that. If it's a replacement, none of that's relevant. So how you look at Israel in this context does play into how you view Israel and God's plan. Is God done? Are they God's people? Does God care anymore? Has this all shifted to the church? Shifted to the church? I'd say no, that God still has a prophetic plan for Israel. They're still his people. I, it's, it's amazing that we got this text. So I, I went and hung out with a friend today, earlier this morning. Um, I walk in, and I, I got to be careful on the specifics, um, but, I, but I walk in to hang out with, with a buddy. And then, and again, this, this guy will say I'm his pastor. He'll say he comes to our church. <laughs> he hasn't been to our church in years. But I'm the closest thing that he has to a pastor, and he's a friend. He's a, he is a friend. And, man, I walked in, and before I could say anything, dude just, I mean, it was expletive after expletive of why do people hate the Jews so much? That was his question. And it was a sense, he goes, you know, you, you read about World War II, Nazi Germany, all this, the history of the Jews. But he's like, you know, I thought that was a th- just a thing in the past. He goes, I'm like my social media, what I'm seeing in the news is like, people hate the Jews. Why? I can't think of any other ethnic group of people that it's like accepted to hate as much as it is this minority. And it's college educated people, people in America. Like, like he was... I mean, really bent. <laughs> this made no sense to him. And I told him, I said, you know, I, I agree with you. And, and I think that's a very interesting question to unpack because there isn't a logical explanation for it with one exception, that they're God's people and that Satan wants to destroy them because they still play a role in God's plans for the earth. Apart from that, if the church has replaced Israel, there's no reason for the enemy to care. But why? Because God's not, they haven't been replaced. God still has a plan. And by the way, dispensationalists will often get accused, and rightfully so sometimes, of like that God has a different path of salvation for the Jewish people than the, than the Gentile nations. I, I think that that's hogwash. Again, um, the, the ultimate remedy to the Jewish people if we, if we look at the eschatology, they will get duped into following a replacement Christ. We call him an antichrist. That antichrist will go into the temple, a rebuilt temple, declare himself to be God, and the veil will come off their eyes. And what will grant salvation to the Jew? The acceptance of Jesus as their Savior. It's the same, it's the same mechanism. Um, I've been in Israel. I've gone to the Temple Institute, you know, where they're, they're ready to rebuild the temple. And you'll ask them, how are any, how does any of you have atonement when there is no burnt offering? How do you have atonement for sin when there's no burnt offering? Because the Old Testament is very clear how the, how does it work? You know the answer? I've been told this by an Orthodox Jew. We hope for grace. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the whole thing of the New Testament. It's amazing. But I'm just saying like there is the only explanation for why you see the hatred towards the Jew not just from Hamas or Hezbollah or Iran or any, but like 
from, from people in America, the only rational explanation to something that seems to be irrational is that Satan hates the Jew because of who they represent. And Satan hates the thing that God loves. So, again, a little bit of a rant, just some things converging. I thought that that would be applicable. Justin, you've spent time in Israel. I want to pass it to you very quickly. And then, Kenny, you can jump in uh, if you have any thoughts. And Creighton, if anybody's jumped in online or if any of the guys in the audience tonight, if you guys want to ask any questions before we wrap up this and go to whatever Creighton wanted to talk about tonight. Justin, you're first. <laughs> yeah, it's been, a, it's been about a year in Israel, so I'm on like, really close i have i have a lot of close friends that are there still there and and it's uh it is it's it's i think as a believer you you if if you're really a believer you you come to because god loves you and you love god you're going to have a natural love for his people and and you want to see them come to know their their messiah and and i i have a lot of friends that are uh, they're, they're Jews, and but then I also have a lot of friends that are Messianic believers. They're they're Jews that 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 believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and uh, they often refer to themselves as fulfilled Jews. And, and and it's been really cool to you know follow them and 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 see their stories and stuff like that. And and you really start to see like you start questioning like. God didn't choose the Romans. That God didn't choose the gang of the the the, Hun, the Mongols, the, Mongols the, Huns, the, the people that that would conquer and 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 do stuff like that. He chose a small minority people group from the middle, like a small portion of the Levantine, like small area, and there was no reason for them to have a gone to any prominence in this world in world history. B even survived to this point in history. And yet they do. And, and and that itself should tell you that that they are God's chosen people. And and, and Jesus himself said, I came for the Jews first. <laughs> and, and so yeah. like it it it's one of those things that, you know the nature of my current work now, I get a lot of people in here from uh, get a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people from different walks of life and stuff like that. And every now and then I'll just get somebody that comes in and they'll start talking about Jews in like a bad way, blaming them, the Jews for everything. And I'm just like, do you hear yourself? Like what? That's so random, right? right. And it's just like, they'll just throw it out there. And, and like you said, there's no other explanation of it, uh, of it other than they're God's chosen people and Satan hates them because of that. Right. Now I would say that we're also God's chosen people. And that's, that's something that I think needs the clarity on. Like we've been, again, Paul writes that we've been, we're seeds of Abraham. We've been grafted in and by faith, right? It's not and that. And that's the thing that I think that sometimes people get backwards is that it needs to be this either or dynamic. It's the Jews or it's the church. It's a both. And it's a both. And it's, it's, it's the Gentiles that have accepted. And again, even within the old Testament context, Gentiles could be grafted in like, mm-hmm. like there's some heroes of the, of the faith that were completely Gentiles, um, you know, which is yeah. just an interesting. And, and I think, and one thing along those lines is I, I, I do want to warn most people that and I, and I saw that this a lot when I lived there, I, I lived in Israel as 
I, I was a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. I, I'm not Jewish. I didn't try to be Jewish, but you get a lot of people that start, they, they find out they're God's people. They, they love the, They love the Israelis. They love the Hebrew people. They, and, and then they, they try to think that maybe God will love me more if I become like them. And, and I think that's where you get the opposite side of the hate where you, you start leaning in on the, the laws and trying to follow right, those yeah. and stuff. And, and I think a lot of Christians, especially nowadays, start falling into that trap. You know, God made you you. He didn't make you. He, he still loves you. He didn't make you Jewish. Mm-hmm. Be, be, be you. Be who, who he follows stuff, appreciate stuff. But be you. Be you. Right. Everybody you else is taken. Right. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to eat falafels, you know. I love falafels. I know though. you do. I know you do. Kenny, you got any thoughts on this? Man, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a pessimist when it comes to the whole politics, you know, side of all this stuff. But as a believer, the, the you know, we have, to, we have to support Israel, but the best thing we can do, we can vote, and whether or not that does anything or not, who knows. But we got to pray for Israel. We got to, we, as the church, we have to be the church. Our goal is to spread the gospel. That's what we have to do. And, you know, I think we can make a bigger impact here in the States with the people that, you know, that we, uh, that, that are expressing all these wild opinions and whatnot on, on the Jews and on Israel. Um, you know, we have to make it our goal to, this is our backyard. This is our home. We got to make our, make it our goal to spread Jesus here and, and let the Holy Spirit take his effect on for sure. On all that. So, you, you know, you, you brought something up that kind of, that does spawn a thought that needs to be addressed. You know, God God loves the Palestinian as much as He loves the Jew. Absolutely, and um, and and the truth the truth um, is that there are a lot of Palestinians. I I, I won't purpose put a percentage because Hamas was actually elected um, by the people. I think they do represent a majority of the people um, and the viewpoints of those people. Um, that's indoctrination. That's a lot of misinformation. Um, that being said. The, the Palestinians, as just a fact of history, um, have been a, a an Arab population. There is not a Palestinian. Like, that's not a people group. Um, there's not a unique ethnic thread that makes you a Palestinian. Um, they are a people group that when Israel became a nation, got trapped specifically by the surrounding Arab nations to hold turf. You see this right now, practically. Jordan refuses to take any Jordan, any Palestinian refugees. Egypt, which shares a border to Gaza, has shut down the border, will not allow any refugee. Why? Even, even amongst like crazy things that are happening, it's because the Palestinians have been used as a ploy, as a, as a prop of the Arab nations to keep territory in this part of the world. And I think that's tragic. I think it's tragic for the... The Palestinian, they're 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 in an outdoor prison now. What's the solution to that? And his bread terrorism, what hap- what Hamas did is atrocious. It, it's 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 all bad. Interesting, you know, studying judges, you know that God God told the children of Israel that they would they would always have people occupying their land because of their own disobedience. And we see that we see the we see the practical manifestations of that. Um. But I think it needs to be stated that, you know, yes, every soul matters. What, what Hamas did in, in Israel, t- terrible, horrifying. 
the taking of, of, again, wars happen between men and men. The moment you go after civilian populations, you go after women and children, you go after babies and kids, that's, that's the world rallies around the notion that that's wrong. Um, and Israel has to have some type of a proportionate response. Like they, they, this is a, this is, there's a, there are no solutions. Every life matters. It's, it's, it's touching. I just think as a church, we should, I think, I think you nailed it. We should pray. What can we do? We can't do anything. I mean, that sounds so cliche to say, I mean, you know, the stickers everywhere, you know, pray for Israel, pray for the troops, whatever, but that's genuinely what we need to do. I, I'll give you um, an example of, I think, I think a manifestation of prayer. Uh, they shoot a rocket towards Israel that malfunctions instead of hitting the hospital and it's the parking lot. Now Hamas came out and said 500, you know, people died because Israel just attacked the hospital. We couldn't find out. We have aerial footage. No, it was a, it was a Hamas rocket that failed in flight, but instead of hitting the hospital, hit the parking lot next door and nobody died. Now it was used. It was spun. We get more information after the fact. Could your prayers, can, can a person's prayers cause a Hamas rocket to fall down onto a parking lot instead of the hospital? Yeah, I saw that when I was there. Right, I mean. They, like, there was plenty of stories. So I was there in 2012. The Iron Dome hadn't even been fully tested or put out for use yet. <clears throat> and Hamas started shooting rockets at us while I was there. And they had to rush the Iron Dome in the operation. Into operation. Yeah. And there were so many stories of the Iron Dome failing at some points, but somehow the missile, the rockets that they, they shot got blown off course. The breath of God, right? Just It, it, it was heading towards the direction where civilians were, and it got blown off course and landed in the ocean or in, in, or in the middle of the desert or somewhere like that. There was lots of stories like that. Interesting. And... and, and even though the Iron Dome is, is it's amazing. It saved my life a couple of times, but like it, your prayers work and you know, right. it says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So. Amen. Creighton, what, what topic do you have tonight? I mean, do we have anything online? You guys, John, Jonathan, any thoughts? You wrap this up, transition to the next thing, throwing it out there. Sounds good. Uh, we've got Jennifer and Miss Ann both say hi. Oh, that's nice. So hello. All right. Uh, this is going to be a, Hard transition because that's fine. We'll Israel's just... real, real heavy stuff. Um, this is also kind of heavy. I would like you to teach because this is going to be one of those ones where it's like this is a verse in the Bible okay. that I is need... interesting to me. Okay. Um, because I grew up in I was nineties two thousands. I grew up with a lot of like um, media that was very much like like follow your heart trust yourself stuff, you know, go be the best you, you can be, you can, you're the only person that can whatever about who you want to be. Follow your heart, follow your heart. Like you can't go wrong. If you follow your heart, right? You can't go wrong. You follow your heart. And if you follow something else as opposed to your heart, you are probably in the wrong and you'll be, and you'll be miserable and you'll be miserable. That's a theme from throughout my childhood, in all fact, of the media is like, follow fact, your heart, do what you, do what makes you happy. Too many Disney movies. Too many yes, Disney absolutely. movies. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in is there a passage? Can I turn yes. to a passage? Where we it are? is uh, the ninth verse of Jeremiah 17. Uh, you said that very, very, that was a classic. I said question. it literally as I was reading it. It's Jeremiah 17, 9. And it is, and I quote, 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, as a kid who grew up, both a kid, teenager, and adult, like, I feel like media is very much about follow your heart. If you've ever watched a rom-com, they all end with don't go with the guy who's financially stable and loves you but is too interested in his job. Go with the dude that makes your heart do backflips because you should follow your heart. But who's homeless and is a drug dealer. Right. What a good guy. Like that seems like a very Have kids with a him. big deal in American yeah. life is just like. And then we see that I'm probably going to preempt some of your stuff here. But you see that as you as you go on, you then get into relativism and everything that follows from your heart being the truth. So I just want you to, you know, teach on why the heart is deceitful above all things. What question before you get started? Go for it. Are you talking about pre-Christian heart or post-Christian heart? Well, that, yes. that's relevant. That's relevant. The I'll, answer I'll, is I'll, yes. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to leave it at that question. Oh, that was a tease. I mean, you kind of teased it. Look well, at I was, him. I was setting, I was setting the ball. I was setting it up for you. That's called a volley. Volley, and yeah. Volleyball terms. You, yeah. you volleyed it up. Yeah, you set, you set, set me, and up. I can spike it. Mm-hmm. Pro tip: Don't play volleyball with Zach. <laughs> no, that's true. I'm way over competitive. It's not a. <laughs> well, now you can just wave your hands in the air, like <laughs> which, speaking, and... which speaking of over competitiveness, Creighton and I took on two uh, two brothers yesterday in golf, uh, a best ball uh, that have been Trump's on the show, done. Nick. And Neil and Creighton, how, how did we do against them? Just, you know, I mean, not being competitive, but just on the public record. We won by two holes. That's right. Because we're better than them. That's right. That's all there is yeah, to just it. Just throwing that out. All right, me, let's get back. Me and Zach are better than them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's how that is. I hope if that doesn't get a response from either of those two guys. So, you know, what's interesting, so you brought up this verse, right? Which is verse 9 of chapter 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Which is, which is like a really famous passage of scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a famous passage. The interesting thing, and again, I just opened my Bible to this, right? So here I am. <laughs> what's, what's interesting, I don't have that highlighted. I have all the verses before it highlighted. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I just, again, just the, uh, without, I have not read any of this. I just find it interesting that you nailed a verse and it's like I have everything before it highlighted and not that verse, which then is interesting to me. So I want to read, going back, this, this is what I have highlighted leading into this verse. Okay. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land, which is not inhabited. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river and will not fear. Interesting word will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, 
nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I'm going to read one more verse. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. What an interesting passage. I mean, really. Agreed. An interesting passage of scripture, which which would mean nothing without first defining like what the Bible means when it when it addresses the heart. Like what does the Bible mean when it when it says the heart? And again, it's it's using an illustrative term for us. It, it's it's employing poetic language. Are we literally referring to the heart as if the heart, the actual organ that beats blood throughout our body within our chest is somehow wicked or deceitful? Like, is it referring to an organ, you know, with a cellular composition? Obviously not. It's not speaking to an organ in much the same way that when the Bible talks about the mind, that it's not really speaking just to like the brain composition, what does the Bible mean when it speaks to the soul? Again, we're, we're using terminologies illustratively to refer to something in a poetic sense. And when we're talking about the heart, like what is the heart? Well, I think a, a great, a great example of this, an illustration. I heard a pastor say, I think it was Damien Kyle. Interestingly enough, he was talking about a particular veg- vegetable. I think it's a vegetable. It might be a fruit. It's hard to always know what the definition of a fruit or vegetable is. There is like one fruit or vegetable that is hard to determine. Okay. So, you know, it's yeah, it, it gets complicated. But like, like you get into like this particular plant and you have to like start like, like the outer shell you're not going to eat. The inner stuff you're not going to eat. Like it's like there's nothing edible about this thing. Until you get to the very center of the artichoke. Like everything about an artichoke is going to make you choke. None of it's good. It's all disgusting until you get to the very heart of it, right? And what is it? Well, that's the center. The center of the artichoke we call the heart. So when we talk about what what is the heart of man... It is the cinder of man. It is it is the base of man. I, I would I would define the heart as the seat of desire. It's what motivates a man. It's what drives a man. It's the heart. Um, we, we use that phraseology when we talk about love, like my heart towards something. We we, we say that be like that. What that's my engine. That's what's driving me. That's my motivation. It's the center of my being. It, it moves all else. It's the heart. We could also just from the, the, the allegory of the illustration of it, say that, that within the heart, what does the heart pump? It pumps blood. The Bible, the, the, the body is not going to live without blood. And the Bible describes blood. The life is in the blood. So not only do we find the heart is the core, the seat of desire, the driver of of a person, but it's also that thing in which 
gives life to the rest of the being. It pumps blood throughout the veins. Um, if your heart stops, you're going to die very quickly. Even if your brain's working, your brain dies. Everything within your body stops. Your lungs, your liver, your kidneys, everything stops. Everything ceases when your heart stops. So it's the source of life. It's what drives you. It's what feeds you. It's what moves you. Again, just kind of the poetic language. Now, what's fascinating is that there's this contrast that gets provided here by Jeremiah the prophet. Yes, he says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He's throwing in like two characteristics of the natural heart of man. One is deceitful. And like the easiest way, and maybe one of you guys can pull up Blue Letter Bible, pull up this passage, maybe get to the actual Hebrew definition of the word. But just within its English translation, deceitful, we, 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 it means that it's not, it can't be trusted. That its propensity is not towards truth, but a lie. Or at a minimum, the manipulation of truth for its own end, its own pleasure, its own goal. Not for truth's sake, but for its own aim, its own end. So it's deceitful. Can't be trusted. Has to be checked. Has to be questioned. And then we're told it's desperately wicked, which is a, a step below just wicked. I mean, to say the heart is wicked is, would be one thing. Evil. Perverse. Warped. Not straight, probably in its base definition. But it's not just that it's not straight, that it doesn't, it doesn't aim correctly but it's desperately in, in, in the such, which, which in some ways was desperately would, would not be an, an adjective. It's an adverb, isn't it? No, it'd be an adjective. It's an adjective. Desperately. Yeah, desper desperately would describe wicked. It's wicked a descriptive describes term. the part. It's, it's describes part. So it's described, it's describing the type of wickedness. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that it's off, but that it's motivation is intentionally off. Yes. See what I'm saying? So it ties into it being deceitful and it's wicked. It's intent. It's intention is wickedness and it's placed in the context of, of the person blessed, happy is the man who trusts in what? Not his heart, not himself, but something that exceeds himself, something outside of himself, something beyond. Blessed is the man who trusts not his heart, but who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And then there's a description of such a man. He's like a tree planted by waters, spreads out its root, will not fear when heat comes, its leaf will be green, won't be anxious in the year of drought, and will always yield fruit. And then the heart is deceitful. So we have this contrast between the person who's basically heart, seed of desire, life, motivations, is being, is being yielded to a force beyond himself as opposed to trusting that which is within himself. Now, I think, Justin, going back to your thought, any thoughts with that just before we pivot here? I guess I got a real applicable I don't know how to say this anyway, applicable ap applicable application to me as a large gentleman I am very wary of the seats I sit on 
You got to continue. I'm, I'm, I'm riveted. And, and so uh, before I sit down, I never really fully trust that chair, uh, especially plastic chairs. But there have been a few where somebody had told me, the creators said that they will hold up to a certain weight limit. And I had to trust that creator, the instructions that they created that. I'm following you. I'm, I'm, you see what I'm saying? I'm tracking, I, yeah. I'm tracking your, your GPS. So I, I think, I think that's <laughs> in, in my life. Cause in my heart, my, my human heart, I, I would say there ain't no way. But then the, the chair, the creator of that chair, you know, was like, yeah, sure. It's fine. It'll hold you. And it did. So I, I, I completely, yeah, I know. I get it. I, 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 I think that's a great application. Right. I would, I would pivot even, even a little bit, maybe back towards Creighton's direction of the question, the original question. And that is like, so we, we have lived in this culture that says, trust your heart. And that goes back to my original question pre pre-Christian heart or post-Christian Correct. heart. And, and as, as, I have to look at all those people that say, follow your heart. Disney's not exactly known as a Christian organization. Sure enough. You know, they, no they, way. You serious? Yeah, pretty sure. Walt Disney. Right. What? <laughs> Speaking of hating so, Jews. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> we went full circle. <laughs> right. <laughs> Comes back to it. Like if you're, if you, if you, you know, Jesus said he, you know, they said he's going to give you a new, cre- you're a new creation. You're going to have a new heart. At that point, can you trust your heart? I guess is where I was going with that. So, so I, you know, so you might be one step ahead of me and we'll get there. Um, what, what is Jeremiah saying in the context in which he's saying, he's saying the human heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. That something happened in the fall that warped our desire, that twisted our motivation, that here's a good way of saying it, that what we would naturally want to do is wrong. That the heart's diseased. Right. So when, when people, when people say, well, it's just, it's just, natural like the whole homosexuality debate like people people will like delve into like well i mean i I was born this way it's like i don't give a frick pardon the language i don't care how you were born because the bible tells me how you were born sinful and with a heart that's deceitfully and desperately wicked we're all born broken the gospel message is that you were born this way and i want to reborn you rebirth into you a new creation. I want to take you and make you what you aren't. Which which means that if you can never get to that point of like, I am not how God wants me to be, you can never accept the gospel. But what Jeremiah says, your heart, like you can't trust your heart because your heart's broken. Your heart's flawed. Your heart wants what is wrong. It's twisted. And again, the word sin, it means, it's an archery term. It means to miss the mark. And that, that takes a step back to the old adage, like, am I, am I a sinner because I sin, or do I sin because I'm a sinner? 
you sin because you're a sinner. There's something fundamentally broken within you, which means you can change all the behavior you want. And guess what never happens? The heart never change. But if you change the heart, all the behaviors will naturally begin to change. Like that's, that's, that's the gospel message. Your behaviors will not change your desires, but your desires will change your behaviors. So don't focus on changing behavior, which is legalism. It's the law. It's traditionalism. Focus instead on a heart transformation. God, make me new. Take what is deceitful and make it true. Take what is broken and make it whole. Take the heart of stone and give me a heart of you. Change my desire and fill me with your spirit. That, that's the essence of it. Now, to Justin's question, well, what do we do when we become a Christian? And I think that this is when we get into the battle between the flesh and the spirit. See, I think the spirit replaces the heart in this kind of allegorical sense, but the heart's still there. We still have a broken fallenness. We still have this the heart of flesh that is deceitful, that is wicked, because I am capable of anything. And if you don't think you are, you don't are. walk in the spirit. You'll figure it out. And so the, the, the battle, so Paul will say, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you flip it. You don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. What do you do? Walk in the spirit and you don't listen to yourself. What is ever natural? Again, you know, people that are like, oh, we're not born in sin. Are you kidding me? This conversation is reminding me of how much I hate those videos that, that are like faith in humanity restored. Oh my yep. goodness. I despise those videos. Because if your faith is in humanity at any point, it's over. <laughs> You're going to lose every time. <laughs> Listen, man, I think I think one of the big problems within American society is our detachment from the reality that humanity, apart from Jesus, is capable of all kinds of incredible wickedness. And yeah. we, we, we're a society embracing a, a godlessness, a secular. You don't understand the compulsion and the capacity for things you would never have thought to be the case. Like I saw I saw terrorist organization that's been killing babies, destroying Gaza, and within the ruins there was a Planned Parenthood sign. <laughs> Wasn't talking about Hamas. Like, like we are capable because the heart, again, Jeremiah tells us, the heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. If you follow your heart, your heart, <laughs> if your heart is the sinner, Death follows. But what we need is we need to follow the Lord. We need to put the Lord in our center. We need the Lord to replace our heart as the essence of life. This is the, 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 what's being articulated, what's being described. Well, if your heart's transplanted with his, then naturally his desires are what you're seeking after. So you're you know, following his heart. Truth. You're, not, uh, you're, no, you're no longer following your heart. So the question, practically, when you're trying to make a decision should not be, what does my heart tell me? The, the question should be, what is God's will for me? Because your heart's deceitful, but the Lord isn't. Again, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So when the Lord's like, this is my will, and it doesn't fit with what I want, I know that what I want is a lie. But what the Lord has for me is good and is blessed and, and again, there's so many applications, but like the, the connection to our sexu sexuality is such an apt example to this because it's like, if 
If you follow your heart, yeah, you're, you might, you might be following your heart, but your heart's deceitful and it's perverse. So it's going to lead you a direction that is destructive for you. And the Lord might be leading you down a path that is contrary to your heart. It's not what your heart wants. But will you trust the Lord? And will you trust that it's blessed? And I'll tell you what And it happens. yields fruitfulness. It does. And I'll tell you what happens when that does happen. Oftentimes, yeah, it's going to do something in your life. But non-believers, other people look at that and be like, how are you able to go through this when your heart should be telling you to do one thing and you're doing the exact opposite? How are you able to stay calm? How am I able to be in the middle of a war and be calm? How am I able to be in the middle of crisis and be calm? Uh, <laughs> People notice. But God. But God. But, but God. God indeed. And because, and I mean, Jessica's perfect example of that, of, of complete crisis. Life's falling apart. But God. And, and <laughs> pretty sure her heart was telling her to do other stuff. But God. Uh, here's a challenge. Name one person in the scriptures that followed their heart. And it ended well. David? <laughs> Jesus. Samson. Other than Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's an easy one. That Thanks for easy. that. Yeah, I, well, I had to get it before somebody else said it. Samson's a great example. No. Even Abraham. Right. I mean, I mean, really, like, you could just, like, there's nobody. Moses in- is, not Moses, Noah's first choice off the ark was disastrous. Like I mean, he planted a vineyard and then got blackout and then things got weird. And then things got weird with his grandson and a whole group of people get cursed. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I, I think that's such a, a such a, uh, Oh, Karen has a good, yeah, we okay. have a uh, comment from Karen. Yes. That I think is good. And that is delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. His desires become ours, which is, I think, yeah. Absolutely true. And it's one of the things I like to say to myself when I'm not feeling great, which is uh, seek first the kingdom of heaven. All these things will be added to you, which is a terrible thing to say to another person when they're in crisis. <laughs> but it's a wonderful thing to lean back on when you're in crisis. Uh, you know what I mean? Amen to that. Amen to that. I agree with you. Well, it kind of goes back to my whole chair, fat guy in chair thing. You know, you, you got to trust in the creator. I'm glad we go back to the full circle. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good the, one. the whole point of that was you, the creator knows better than I do. Mm. Yeah. And, and no matter what my heart says, the dude that wrote the instructions for everything is going to know better than me. What's the passage where uh, it's, it's one of the Psalms making me a clean heart. It's the acknowledgement and, and that declaration. I've got another pastor in here that was thinking real, real hard on that. You got it? Do you know the passage? I just looked making up the making me a, me a clean, clean heart. heart. It's Psalm 51, 10 through 12. Give us clean okay. hands. Give us pure heart. <laughs> but I mean, but that's, but that should be the declaration again. And I, I think from the psalmist, he doesn't know how that happens. It's, it's this, this cry. But we, but we now know how it happens. Again, um, Jeremiah talks about what replaces the human heart is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God becomes our driver, becomes our center, becomes our motivator, becomes the source of life, the center. 
John, you got anything? Uh, again, referencing one of the, the guys hanging out with us tonight. Good stuff, right on. You guys got anything else? I guess for me, it's like the more I, the longer I live, the more I, I, I learn how much I suck at stuff, and the more I need to <laughs> trust in that God's plan is the right one, not my heart. Amen, <laughs> brother. So. Practically, it's easy. It's easy. It's like. If you have a decision to make and you're like, I really want to do this, but God's really telling me to do that. Right. Um, and you're just kind of like debating whether or not like this is like, you're trying to figure this out. Okay. Just go ahead and do what you want to do and just see how it plays. Yeah. It's yeah, terrible. Absolutely. <laughs> and then terrible you're going to be like, gummit, that was not a good choice. <laughs> well, we make God's will this mystic thing. Like that's, you know, super hard to discover when realistically, you know, God's will for our lives is put right in front of us. Right, right, right. Well, and a great lesson, and you know, just with that, a great lesson of the book of Judges is that how does God ultimately judge his people? He gives them what they want. Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to you worship these other gods? Well, you can serve them too. Go for it. Have and they're, fun. In, they're in bondage and subjugation of, of, of four nations. You, 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 you want to worship them, you serve them too. And God does that even in our lives. Oh, you, okay. You want to do that? That's what your heart wants. Well, let me teach you how bad your heart is. And sometimes he gives it to us, gives us what we want. I'm so thankful for the prayers that God has not answered in my life. Here, here. You know what I mean? I want to stick my finger in that electrical socket. <laughs> You've prayed that? That that, no, that was that your prayer? The, the example of a child wanting <laughs> no, 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 no. to do something. <laughs> I can you think of things saying? that I've wanted very badly that would have ended about as well as sticking right. my finger <laughs> in the socket. That's what I'm saying. Like, I was the kid that wanted to put a fork in the socket. Like, this Same metal thing is going to help right, me out. Right. <laughs> That's why my hands are like this. <laughs> Probably would have helped him out a little bit. Oh, my Probably goodness. Probably would have. Back. Did I ever tell you about the... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, so we were doing, we were doing some, uh, when I was doing therapy for my, my arms, um, we, we did, um, man, what's a stem? It's, it, they, they do electrical shocks. Oh, with know. the probes and stuff. Yeah. Well, no, no, this is, they actually like, they put things on your fingers and they're shocking. They're trying to get your nerves to do certain things. Huh. Um, they put probes actually, they, they put on certain muscles and they're trying to get your wrist to move. So my, cause my, I, my radial nerve was damaged. So they were, he were putting electrodes and they would zap me to try to get my hand to move, right? Like this. Dude, he could just light me up, and my, my wrist was as limp as it would get. It wouldn't move in at all. So we, we did this. It's painful. It's terrible. Uh, but I came back like a week later, and uh, there was like two other people. So occupational therapy is at a table. It's what makes you special. Everybody else is there. At, you're at a table. And sometimes you, you get there early. There are other people at the table. And so I come walking in and, uh, and Doug's like, Hey, you know, how, how you doing? And there's some other people who's still finishing up. And I was like, Hey man, your tip was awesome. I really feel like I make an improvement. I just said this, I mean, as deadpan as I could, everybody kind of stops. Even the people doing therapy behind me stop. And Doug is like, really? What, what did you do? I said, I said, I did exactly what you said. I took that fork and I got it in my hand. And I walked up to the electrical outlet and I jammed it in and I held on for as long as I could until one of my kids had to knock me off of it. And I'll tell you, I think I'm getting some movement back. 
And Doug is looking at me like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tell you to do that. I start dying laughing. And then Devin, the other occupation, you are ridiculous. started dying laughing. And he goes, he goes, you didn't do that. Right. I was like, of course I didn't. <laughs> I don't know why I shared therapists. that. It's just sticking stuff into an outlet. It's, I haven't heard that one before. Those was great. poor therapists. Yeah. Remind me to send them a flower basket. Yeah. I got, I, when I got done that day, another person came in and Doug's like, Hey man, have a great week. And I was like, I got the fork. <laughs> he goes, don't do that. And I was like, I know what you're saying. Don't worry, Doug. He still owes me a Sunday. He's supposed to come to church one Sunday. Oh, that's right. I give that guy 116 appointments of my life and he can't come to church once. Terrible. I'm not bitter. All right. We're getting off the rails. Let's land this plane, bud. Any other thoughts online? No, not yet. Well, Karen, uh, see how the scariest thing is when God gives them over to their sin. That is Which true. is also true. That is also very true, for sure. Spice Daddy, you got anything? I've I've said what I. My, you don't I, you don't want to you don't want to revisit you don't want to revisit the chair shit. analogy. I'm, I'm tapping out on that one. That was probably a bad <laughs> example, but I, I just it, it came to the forefront of my head, and it's it's you really followed your heart on that one. I did. You and, did. And, <laughs> but you skinny guys don't understand the the. Man, you're suffering. I didn't know that you were suffering. Just, this is, is a big it, thing it, in your a, life. It's a constant struggle when I go you're somewhere. You're always questioning chairs. plastic lawn chairs there, and I have to sit on the edge of it or not even sit down at all. I just, just want right. to say that I feel Man. so happy that I just got lumped in with a group called You Skinny Guys. Like, that is, <laughs> that makes me feel fantastic. Yeah, most people aren't calling Appreciate me it. anymore either. <laughs> yeah. So, Kenny, man, safe travels back to Honduras, brother. We love you. Yeah. Praying for you via con Dios. Oh, once again, out, if you're out my Spanish, if you're interested in, <laughs> in learning more about Kenneth's ministry, Pope Creighton at gmail.com. Creighton, anything left? That's it. All right. I'm hitting some music. Thank you so much oh, for Michelle Davis says, Mich thank you. you're jumping in right now. Right I hit now. The music. Yes. Michelle says, thank you. Oh, well, I didn't use her name, but you did. You used her full name too. Yeah. It was an accident. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Anyway, thank you so much for watching the Outlaw Radio Show. You've been watching the recording of a podcast that gets released tomorrow. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you. Uh, check out the live stream on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. Uh, if you're watching, check out the podcast. That's how that works. May you have a wonderful week. May God bless you, fill you with his spirit. May he change your heart. Because when he changes your heart, he changes your life.